1: Is about to begin. Hey, 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 come on. Welcome in. back to
2: your weekend Buckeye Talk. It's Doug Lane it's Nathan Baird, it's Stephen Meads, and we are revisiting our influence rankings from before the season, where Nathan, Stephen, and I rated each Ohio State player like the top 35 guys on a scale of 1 to 20 in the category of special, how rare is your talent, and then value, how important are you to the team. And then we also asked our tech subscribers to give all the players a one to ten rating. That's kind of like a Q rating. How how good you think they are, how much you like them, how important they are to you, to the team, kind of whatever you want. We added all that together. It's a fifty point rating scale. So we did the same. It's the same structure that we did in the preseason. That we did now. We're not going to dive into all the individual rankings here, Nathan. Because the main point is. Here's what the three of us thought before the season, plus loyal hardcore Ohio State fans. They thought this about players and now here are our top 25 in the preseason. And here are our top 25 now. And there is, I guess we should not be surprised, Nathan, there is some dramatic movement here. Like I of course, I think we all realize that, right?
1: Yeah, I did not go back and look at my preseason rankings. I used the same scale that I did, but it was very much a off the cuff, just quick impulsive uh, score kind of that I gave a lot of these guys. And even considering that, I'm sure that there are I can name three or four guys off the top of my head where I am, imagine my score is wildly different than where I because th- the first time I sent you these scores was from the hospital room as my son was about to be born at the end of April. So, it's been a minute. It's it's been a minute since Bennett. So, uh I, the things have changed dramatically in a couple of uh examples since the end of April.
2: So, that's that's the idea here, Stephen, is is to zero in on what changed. We're going to do our top 25 Stephen of the current top 10 players the way we did this. How many of those 10 do you think are were also in the top 10 In the preseason, how many of the 10? Six. That's exactly right. Six of the 10 remain the same. Of the guys now, Nathan, who are in the top 25 now, how many of them do you think were not in the top 25 in the preseason? Eight. It's only four. So there's only four guys who fell out of our top 25 and four guys who joined our top 25. If you were not in the top 25, I just gave you, I just pretended your ranking was 26. I have it. I have who's 29th and 31st, but I didn't go bother to check that. So using that standard, who do you guys think is the the highest riser? Who moved up the most number of spots, right? That if you were out of the top 25 and now you're 20th, I would say you moved up six spots because you moved from 20, a tie for twenty-sixth, to 20th. Nathan and Steven, each make a guess. Who do you think is the, the... There are actually two guys who were tied. The highest risers in this ranking. They moved this many spots. Eichenberg, for starters. Yes,
1: yeah, Eichenberg has to be one of them.
2: Eichenberg is one, and who's tied with him?
1: It's either Mayan or Stover.
2: No, it's it's people going up. This is oh, all, going people, up. Going up.
1: Uh, all people going up. All people going up. I Mayan. said Mayan or Stover. My call. Oh, My call. Yeah. That makes more sense.
2: My yeah. call, <clears throat> who did make our top 25 in the preseason, to our credit, but is way, way up there now. Way, way up there now. Maybe even a little surprising way. Up There now it's, it's offense heavy, not a surprise. So we'll, we'll give you guys the full top 25 before we're done with this podcast, but let's dig in on the top. How should we do this? I I don't know if I want to have you guys just like guess. Let's try to see if you guys can guess who the top 10 are right now. We'll go back and forth. Okay. And as we do that, we'll talk about each guy. So we'll give you each five guesses. This will be like when I was on Stump the Schwab. You have to, you got to get it right because you're trying to not get eliminated. Because if you say, I think this guy's in the top 10, then he's not, then we throw you in a pit of alligators. I don't know, whatever you would do to someone who loses a game show. So, Nathan, we'll start with you. Who do you think is a member of our top 10?
1: CJ Stroud.
2: Well, you got to start with the easy ones. You don't want to get in the alligator pit. <laughs> you don't want to go. There's a lot of excitement for uh, Devin Brown. CJ Stroud is almost perfect. He's perfect for us. We all gave him 20s, both for value and for special. And he also was the number one vote getter in the Q rating for the Texters with a rating of 9.71. I mean, which is like if a couple people gave him a nine, right? On a scale of one to ten. So he is 49.71. He is far and away. And um it's not like we have to talk a lot about. This, Steven, but there are worlds where your starting quarterback would not be number one and would not be a 49.71 out of 50. That is not assumed. You know who's not a 49.71? Spencer Petrus, who Ohio State's going to face the next time they take the field, right? This is not automatic.
0: Georgia just won a national championship. And if we did this with Georgia's roster, Stetson probably would have been like a 29 last year.
2: Oh, so, yeah. I don't think yes. he would have, I, w- I wonder if he would have been in their top 10. 'Cause it might have been like all defensive guys, and then Stetson right, Bennett would have so. been like thirteenth of the team. But yeah. Um it's it's hard, Nathan, right? I mean, it's like we don't we never want to take CJ Stroud for granted. And it's like, oh, who's number one? CJ Stroud, whatever, let's move on to number two. Like we, we don't want to do that because being almost perfect, both in how important you are to the team, that you feel like there would be a significant drop-off if the backup had to play, and how uniquely talented you are. It's hard to be perfect at that, man, and this guy is.
1: I don't remember exactly what my score was for for preseason, but I know that I did not have him 20 of 20, and I had even given reasons why that was. Like 20 for me was like the Heisman Trophy winner, and then you scored down from there, and he would be the Heisman Trophy winner right now. I I don't think there's – there shouldn't be a whole lot of question to that. I actually have some really fun – CJ Stroud stat porn, if you want it real quick, that I've been working on for a post. Mm. Hmm. You put uh, stat porn in the headline of that post. I probably won't put stat porn in the headline, but I always that's that's a it's a term my friends and I use when we the one we throw around a lot uh, is baseball nerd porn. Tony Gwynn stat porn, like he has all Mm. these stats about like Aaron Judge struck out fifty six times this month, and Tony Gwynn struck out fifty six times in the nineties or whatever. So he's a fun guy to do that with. But here's some C.J. Stroud stuff. So right now he leads the nation in quarterback efficiency, yards per attempt, and touchdown passes. And no one has done that in a full season since 2006, and that was Hawaii's Colt Brennan. And I'm looking to find out if that's been done at the Power Five level since then. Some guys came close. A bunch of guys like won two categories and finished close in the third one. Burrow did that. Mac Jones did that. Baker Mayfield did that. Sam Bradford did that, but they didn't win all three. So he's on pace to do something that on pace is tricky because it's halfway through the year, but um, he leads in quarterback. What
2: are the, what are the the categories again?
1: So quarterback efficiency rating yards per attempt, and then touchdowns, just, just total touchdown passes. And he leads in all three of those things right now. Um, And the two things that jumped out at me, he's, so he's got 10.9 yards per attempt Next closest is Max Dugan from TCU 10.3. Stroud only ranks 15th in the nation in yards per game, which you look at that first and you're like, oh, that's kind of like ordinary, right? Except he also ranks 79th in attempts per game, which is kind of a crazy combination. And then his 24 touchdown passes are the most in the nation by two over Mississippi State's Will Rogers. But Will Rogers has attempted 122 more passes to throw his 22 touchdowns than C.J. Stroud has to throw his 24. But that's the one that will be the toughest for Stroud to hold on to. And it's not because he can't throw a lot of touchdowns and because his receivers aren't good. It's just because it's a volume stat, and he doesn't always get the volume, either because of the balance of this offense or because he only played two and a half quarters with the series. So anyway, just throwing those out there for why I think the case is – Almost unimpeachable, he should be a 20 of 20.
0: I had him at 20 of 20 in the preseason, and then he spent six weeks validating that. Yeah. I don't have any stat porn or anything other
2: than that. It, we we did a bunch of stat porn on the, uh, on the Apple podcast bonus episode of the College Football Survivor Show this week, where we did like an 80-minute breakdown of the Heisman race. And he's, be, because of opportunity, raw stats, like he's not up there. He's, he's like 60 yards per game under what he finished last year. Now he threw for 714 yards in the Rose Bowl, so that threw it off. But it'll be interesting, Nathan, that like, again, sort of like the, the ratio stats are unimpeachable, right? The yeah. raw stats, he – I did like com- – like if you combined quarterback passing yards and rushing yards, and I just did it for like all the quarterbacks of playoff contenders, and he's like seventh, right? Which again is not that he's the seventh best quarterback – but they're just, it's going to be interesting to watch this race unfold because there are just as it stands right now, you know, if there's like nine or 10 kind of teams that are sort of still in the playoff mix, they're all led by quarterbacks, arguably, right? Like like maybe not Penn State, Michigan, but like Dorian Thompson Robinson's going crazy for UCLA and Hendon Hooker for Tennessee and, um, you know, um, Spencer Sanders at Oklahoma State you know like there's just there's just a, a, an interesting kind of hodgepodge of dudes. So we'll watch this race unfold. Obviously CJ is the clear number 1. He's done everything asked of him so far. Steven. Avoid the alligator pit. Who's your, who's a guess? Paris. He's second. Yep. He moved up from fourth. Very strong rating, you know, significantly behind CJ but significantly ahead of number 3. So Paris Johnson was all there in the preseason and all he's done is his job at it, it, it's a little bit hard, Steven. Sometimes you're competing against yourself. Could we have higher expectations for Paris Johnson? Probably not, but he's meeting them.
0: Yeah. I, I had his value at 20. We've harped 30 million times on why my value for him is at a 20 at this point. I actually also pushed up his, his special to 19. I, I, I want to wait on the 20 just because for me, 20s are you're in the conversation to be the best, ta- best player at your position in America. And it's not his fault. He just has really only played one quality pass rusher, and that's Isaiah Foskey. And he did his job. And him. Foskey was basically irrelevant. But we'll see on the backside of the schedule here, him get an opportunity to play some better defensive lines and really earn that last point for me. But yeah, this is a dude who we thought would be awesome,
2: and so far he's been awesome. All right, I hope you guys at home are playing along, right? Who doesn't love to play a little trivia? Get together with your friend, you know, your your spouse, your your cousin, your whatever. Go against each other. See if you can play a little game here. Nathan, avoid the alligator pit. Give me someone else in the top 10.
1: I have to imagine after this past game, that Marvin Harrison Jr. made the top 10.
2: Where do you think he is, Nathan? He is in the top 10. What number do you think he is?
1: That's a, that's a great question. Um, fifth. Steven, what do you think Marvin
2: is?
0: Just to be different from Nathan,
2: I'll say six. He's third. Okay, and there's a gap to four. We like Marvin Harrison Jr. and Eesh. it's mostly you know we're like eighty percent of the vote here, and the Texters are are valuable twenty percent. There's not a little disagreement. A lot of there's no disagreement here. He was tenth in the preseason, now he's third. So we think, and I there's a little bit of a of a differentiation here. The fact that a mecca can play the slot. And sort of has filled in for the guy we thought was the best receiver in college football. And if you, if Marvin left, like kind of the player he is, the way he's used, you start saying like, well, they exactly have a dude like that. I think it ups his value a little bit. So he's third. And that's – 10th in the preseason was maybe like a little high, but like – I a think third. a lot of I that was me. Mean, I don't, I'm not sure anyone like is screaming. They, Steven is like – are people saying like, third? That's ridiculous. I think they're probably going along with it.
0: Nah, especially because I mean, we're doing this after he just had three touchdowns against Michigan State. Had we done this over the past two weeks before that, where he wasn't really doing as much, he probably still would have been top five, but he probably it wouldn't have been third. And I don't think it would have been a gap between three and four. But I get it.
1: I mean, to me, it's not the three touchdowns. It's how he's scoring the touchdowns. That's really ramped up his special. Score, I think it should legitimately because you look at the Rose Bowl and be like, Yeah, okay, three touchdowns against some converted running backs. Good job. um Shows what could happen, but he's proving it now against other Big Ten defensive backs. I'm curious though, well, we'll talk about it in a second.
0: Yeah, I right, think the Steven, one game me... was Arkansas State and the other one was Michigan State. So it's not like the three touchdown games came against
2: Joey Porter. Look at me, Stephen. Give me another one, yeah, Stephen. Someone else in the top 10. He's good. I good. Yeah. DeJuan, DeJuan Jones. That's a, DeJuan is eighth. He was okay. sixth in the preseason. He's eighth, but there's a group from four to eight that's all pretty close. So, again, a guy doing his job, a right tackle is not going to be as spectacular as a guy getting sacks or catching touchdown passes with his belt. So we understand this, but DeJuan Jones is, is solidly, was and is solidly viewed by us. And the Texters as one of Ohio State's 10 best players, which is pretty good for a right tackle who was ranked in the thousandth as a recruit. Yeah, it's really good. I only had three people with 20 values,
0: and it was Stroud and the two tackles for every reason we've talked about under the sun. So, like, his value really pushed him up, even if his special, I, my, my special for him stayed the same from the preseason. It was still 15, but that value of these tackles have been really good, and the bet at my. With every week that goes by and they play even more excellent, you get a little bit more... You really hope neither one of these guys gets, gets mm-hmm. abducted by aliens because then it's a real
2: problem. Yeah. Uh, Nathan, give me another guy.
1: Well, listen, if I'm if I'm wrong about this, then the list is just wrong. But Jackson smith the Jigba can't be so out of sight, out of mind that he's agree. not in the top ten.
2: So he was second in the okay. preseason. Yeah. Second in the preseason. Okay. Sixth now. I'm fine with that. So... And he was pulled down, frankly, he was pulled down a little bit by the texters, like the Q rating, which which is fine because it's like, how much do you love the guy? How much does he make you? It's like he hasn't played. So I understand that. If, if we would have gone by just by how we voted, he would have been a little bit higher. But, you know, availability matters. So I don't think that's unreasonable when you think about the talent on this team for Jackson Smith and Jigba to be six. But yes, it would have been a little bit weird if he had fallen out of the top 10. And he's not close to falling out of the top
1: 10. Which is which does Marvin Harrison Jr. deserve to be ranked higher on than him, importance value or special? Because I think the answer is neither.
0: Yeah, I think if anything, Jackson for me Jackson's special stayed the same. It's just his value came down because of Mecca and Mark, which I thought anyway in the in the preseason that okay, I have him at this certain value now, and it might come down if these other guys come along, but. I mean, it's not like anybody's expecting Jackson Smith the Jigba to not be Jackson Smith the Jigba whenever he comes back. But if you want to decrease his value because the guys around him can get it done just as well as he can, that's fine.
2: Well, I mean, I do think doesn't your value decrease if you're the best receiver in the country, you've barely played, and your team still has the best offense in the country? Yes. I mean, it's it's nothing to take away from him, but I think you would if you thought, oh man, if they don't have him, they might be in trouble. It's like, well, they just put a meck in the slot and they're okay.
1: I see that. Some of this is individual perspective and the, the way I grade it. I, th- If you had told me before the year Ohio State will need to win the Big Ten championship without Jackson Smith and Jigba, I would have said, right, that's fine. They'll, they'll still do that probably. And if you had told me that they need to win a national championship without him, I would have said, I don't think that's going to happen. And I feel that way less now, but I can't dismiss it entirely that they might need him back to win a national championship.
0: So what if Jackson I, didn't ex, did, What if he didn't exist? What if he'd have been a junior last year and just gone, and you knew that these Julian, Emeka, and Marvin were just going to be the starting wide receivers? How would you feel about this offense and its chances of winning a national championship?
1: You would still feel really good about it. That's what I'm saying. It's that I've, I don't feel as strongly about that as I did at the start of the year. I just don't know if I can. It, it's hard to completely dismiss that because we – it was such a huge central part of how we judge this team coming into the year. And when they have to play good defenses, will it make a difference? I don't know.
2: Okay. He's sixth. Steven, give me another guy. My call. My call. My call is tied for fourth. He went from 23rd to tied for fourth, which is a jump of 19 spots, which is pretty darn good. Uh, Good guest, Stephen, and we'll briefly give you the floor, Nathan, to, this is a nice stop on the bus ride, right? Hey, he's fourth, and we, you know, we should, you know, Stephen had a nice stop on the bus ride with the Marvin touchdown, he's third, you guys are doing a great job, none of the players that I thought were going to be good are in the top 50, <laughs> so like, it's okay, Um, but Nathan is, is fourth too high for my call here, he's the, he's, he's, this is like a national championship contender and a second-year defensive tackle who played fewer than 10 snaps last week is tied for fourth on their list of most influential
1: players. Yeah, what did, what did he do with those fewer than 10 snaps? I think that's the thing. I I'm, was the one advocating for him on our midseason awards that he should be the midseason defensive MVP. So I, get, I think this is probably close to right. I don't know if I would have had him all the way up at fourth. I'd have to go back. I didn't like stack up my votes as to what the point totals were, but I, I certainly had him in the top 10.
2: All right, Nathan, give me another guy. We have six of the top 10 so far.
1: I mean, I, I think Tommy Eikenberg is probably in here at this point.
2: Tommy Eikenberg is seventh. Tommy Eichenberg was not in the top 25. In the preseason, he is now 7th, and again, the gap from 4th to ninth is pretty close. So, with like a little bit of a push here, he could have been even higher than this, and he was pushed up a little bit uh by the Texters. He was not quite this high just in our vote, but the Texters were vibing with Tommy Boy. So, and the way he's played, you know, of course his Q rating's through the roof. He's like fixing... What had been a broken part of the defense. So, you, do you think this is a little high, Steven, for him to be seventh? Yes.
0: And it's because of the way we talked about him on that awards pod, where it's especially the special part, how much of it is he's that special versus how much of this is Jim Knowles' scheme requires that Mike linebacker to rack up tackles. Because it's not like this, he's like Tommy Eichenberg's the first linebacker in a Knowles scheme to do that. Malcolm Rodriguez has done it. Now, granted, he's proven to be a lot better than people thought with the Detroit Lions, but still, I think his value, he's probably the most valuable defensive player just because of how Knowles talks about him and he doesn't come off the field. Um, maybe him or Hickman, and we can when we get to Hickman, we can talk about that, but i it's, it's just
2: hard for me to raise his special up much from where it was in the preseason because I'm not sure which one it is yet. We did certainly, his value rating was higher for all of us than his special rating was, but um, I, I don't, I don't think this is like, we're into a mix of guys now. And, and just based on like performance, I, I don't think that Tommy Eichenberg's seventh is crazy. Uh, all right. We have three spots left in the top 10. You guys are all still out of the alligator pit. Steven, give me somebody else. Mecca. Mecca is tied for fourth with my call. Emeka Ibuka was 14th in the preseason Marvin Harrison Jr.'s overall rating is 45.16, third. Emeka, 42.82, tied for fourth. Jackson Smith and Jigba, 42.53, sixth. Emeka ahead of Jackson. And again, I mean, we're cutting it pretty thin here. It's close. What do you think of that, Nathan?
1: A little bit of recency bias, I guess, and a little bit of rewarding the guy who you're seeing do it in front of you and i suppose there's nothing wrong with that i still at the end of the day would take jackson smith the jigba right now if i had to choose between the two if assuming they're both L. i mean
2: i mean I, I guess it's one of those yeah if, if you said you can only have one of them for this game who would you take i mean i i guess i would take jackson also but if you couldn't take jackson like it'd be like oh fine that's that's fine. Right. And and it's almost one of those like the, the the presence of each does it drive down the value of both because you have two really good slot receivers and a Mecca even is maybe a little more versatile that I don't I guess you could, you know, if if you need a Jackson to, to play the Z for a whole game, I'm sure he could do it. But we've seen a Mecca because of circumstance do it a little bit more. Is fourth sounding right to you, Steven? And what do you think of him being ahead of Jackson?
0: I guess I'm fine with him being fourth just because I can't think of someone else to make a better case for. I get why he's higher than Jackson. And it's Playing a,
2: matters. Playing does
0: matter. We're doing a yeah, thing about... Yeah, like but coo- even like... Outs- Nathan and I were having a conversation last year when we were driving back to, to a hotel. I don't remember what game it was, but we were talking about this wide receiver room and who we thought, if we just ranked them, regardless of what they were doing in the moment, who we thought was going to end up being the best guy in the room... And we both came to the agreement that we thought it'd be a Mecca Ibuka. And so this idea of what Jackson did last year, if you gave a Mecca Ibuka that exact same opportunity in year two, could he just go do the exact same thing? I think the answer is yes, while also adding in that element that he has proven to be versatile because he's playing multiple positions, while Jackson has just been a slot guy. So I think some of it is recency bias outside out of mind, but I also just think Jackson was probably the best of the three last year. At least that's the way Garrett and Chris talked about it. A and Marvin just might be the best of the four who were playing this year, regardless of like whether Jackson's been playing this year or not. It's just Jackson came
2: in as the proven commodity. So we talk about him differently. I do think I'm not sure if you threw a 10-yard pass in the middle of the field to somebody and said, now you have to get to the end zone, which is 70 yards away, and there's some defenders around you, I would want that to be Jackson. that 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 we've seen Jackson do that. Like a Mecca on the move, catching balls. I mean, he certainly is explosive. I do think there's something about Jackson – Getting open in space. I do think, like, sort of what Nathan's talking about when you get the tougher defenses at a higher level, it's all the stuff we talked about Jackson preseason. He and CJ are on the same page. Whether it's, you know, he knows how to get open against man and zone, he's going to be in the right spot. He's going to read his quarterback and read the situation. And then when he catches it, he's like a slingshot and he's gone. Like, that is special. And I, and I, you know, I think a mecca might be like a little smoother, but there's like a just like a absolute explosiveness. On sort of routine throws to Jackson. So, I mean, we're we're splitting but hairs here. Being we fair, got... like, a Mecca leads the nation in yards after catch right now. No, he does. He does. So it's like, um, I, but
0: I, I, I do get the premise of what you're saying, I think, is true. Jackson has proven that that's why he's so valuable. I, I think maybe the difference between them right now. I think they might just have the exact same skill sets. One just grew up in Texas, where they throw the ball sixty times a game, and one grew up in Washington, so one guy knows how to tap into it and maximize it a little bit more at that
2: age than the other one does. Jackson about is is, is a Jackson is really good if he's catching the ball standing still, R- right? Yes. Like and like restarting
0: now, and getting get back like going. Now again. you, yes. ha- it's
2: all on you now. Now, yeah. figure it out. Guys are closing in. You've got to use speed and ingenuity to make a move and that kind of thing. You know, Marvin's going to go up and beat guys down the field and the high point stuff. And a mech I think, like you hit a mech on a crossing route, you're dead. Um, so I do, it's again, what do we do? You know, they're good. 55, a 55 <laughs> minute argument about whether, you know, their three receivers should be three, five, and seven or four, six, and eight. Um, All right. We have two more spots left. You guys are eight for eight so far. Two spots left in the top 10. What do you got, Nathan Baird?
1: Ooh. So many ways to go. Tell me this. What is the separation between 10 and 11? Like, is there a big gap between 10 and 11? Or is picking the 10th person the same as picking the 13th person almost?
2: Let me shuffle my papers. That's a a good question. Uh, It's like a point and a half. It's actually somewhat significant. It's a somewhat significant gap, I've got to say. Uh, it is very like it's close between nine and ten, but then ten to eleven is kind of a gap.
1: How about Luke Whipler? Luke
2: Whipler sliding in at number ten. Dang
1: up five it. spots
2: up five spots from the preseason. We had a good conversation about Luke Whipler on a podcast earlier this week. We don't have to go super intense here. He's he's a good center, he's he's a good player. And and I I think he probably deserves this. There's some really good players who aren't in the top ten. So yeah. w- we will address that. All right. You were kinda of up against the wall, Steven, because you went second. So it's not really fair necessarily to throw you in the alligator pit if you get this one wrong. Because you're down to one of one. But I mean rules are rules and the alligators are hungry. So what are you gonna do? Wow. Who's your pick? No. Um <laughs> I'll say JT.
0: I think people saw him get held enough against Michigan State that they're not punishing him for
2: not having sacks. It's a good guess. He's twelfth, so you're in the pit.
1: <laughs> you guys awesome. want to take one more guess it, from
2: either of you who you think is it, it's ninth? The guy who's ninth
1: is it Donovan Jackson? It is Donovan Jackson. He's that was actually down one guess. spot from
2: the preseason. Donovan yeah. Jackson was eighth in the preseason. He's ninth now. Again, it's there's actually a so again a somewhat significant gap from ten to eleven. JT. Tumaloa is 12th. So he was 5th in the preseason, and he's 12th now. Steven, is that is that too harsh, or is it just a matter of, well, you know, the offensive line's been really good, and then there's some guys with more production stats ahead of him, whether it's Eichenberg or Hall or the receivers going crazy and JT Tumaloa 12th, it's fine. I think it's a little bit of all of
0: the above. I think the offensive line deserves to have, well, that's four of the five people who from the offensive line who are in the, the top ten at that point and I mean they're moving guys so you have to give them some credit for that, especially if you're not gonna have either running back in the top ten. But I also think Mike Hall has a bunch of sacks and JT doesn't have any. And that's the tangible stat. And so if Mike Hall if you're only gonna have one defensive lineman in the top ten, it's gonna be the guy with who had two and a half sacks and seven snaps.
1: Yeah, I mean, everything is all just voting against our own expectations, and sometimes those expectations are conjured more than they're based on things that we've tangibly seen so far. But some of this also is a little bit like when I vote in the AP poll and, like, a team wins, but they are lower, and people are like, well, what's going on? And I'm like, well, you beat Akron, and the team below you beat Clemson on the road or whatever. Like, they they deserve to jump you, really? and there's some guys who deserve to jump here. The, the Hall, Eichenberg... Those offensive linemen, I think they, the the jump is deserved, and it's not really a a slight on JT Tuilomaolo.
2: Yeah, and again, I mean, listen, if we were having a fight right now, based on how guys have played, like I don't I don't think you could be outraged that JT's not in the top ten. I mean, it's like you know he is getting held. Uh, I guess it's or whatever, a testament but to how there's, good. There's a other lot guys of guys who are getting it done. Like, this this team is full of dudes getting it done. And as you said, Stephen, there's four guys on the offensive line. They don't have countable stats either. But they're you can count how many yards they're pushing dudes back. And so, um, yeah, this is – in that situation, there definitely are some guys who move down based on the fact not just that people moved up ahead of them, but that the way we viewed them and the way they've played, they are, they have moved down. JT's not in that spot. He kind of is – he's a very good football player. He's almost – I mean, it's almost – it's not really, but it's like you could start having almost like a Zach Harrison conversation about JT Tumulow. It's like, no, he's good. He's good. What do you there's no, he's good, he's fine. It's like, well, you know, he doesn't have nine sacks. It's like, no, 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 I know, but he's a good football player. He's good. It's like, well, PFF grades are good. But and he's been close, and yes, he's been held, but you know, he doesn't have a sack yet. So I think twelfth is twelfth is fine for him. Um the top ten. CJ Stroud one, Paris Johnson two, Marvin Harrison Jr. three. Emeka Ibuka, Mike Hall Jr. tied for fourth, Jackson Smith and Jigba sixth. Tommy Eichenberg seventh, Dewan Jones eighth. Ninth is Donovan Jackson, and 10th is Luke Whipler. When we come back, we'll run through the rest of the top 25 and then talk about some of the guys who moved down next on Buckeye Talk. All right, so we don't, I'm not gonna make you guys guess anymore. And again, if you want to be part of this and be able to vote, you know, what the texters were doing is ranking everybody on a scale of one to ten. One is bad, ten is good. Just like you look at the guy's name, how do you feel about him? I sent 20 defensive players and 16 offensive players to vote on. So if you're the kind of person who thinks, man, that sounds fun, I would love to rate 36 Ohio State football players in the middle of my work day. <laughs> if you're the kind then then you should sign up. If you're the kind of person who thinks, why would I want football homework in a bye week? Leave me alone, then maybe it's not for you, which is fine. So it's a two-week free trial, 614-350-3315. Ronnie Hickman is 11th, and I almost feel bad that he didn't get in the top 10, because I don't know what else Ronnie Hickman can do. He was 12th in the preseason. He's 11th now, Nathan. He's a good football player. He's not going to... They're not going to blitz Ronnie Hickman. He's not going to have six interceptions. He is, I think, really important to what they do. And I think that the value ratings that we gave him would reflect that, but... He's just surrounded by some, you know, more spectacular players. But Ronnie Hick- Hickman, man, I, I wouldn't want... i put him high on the list of guys they wouldn't want to lose. So for value, I think for value, we had him as a 16, a 19, and a 20, which is like really high for value because I think we understand he kind of holds it all together back there. And yes, Lathan Ransom might be ready to slide right in if Ronnie Hickman went out, but I'm not sure Jim Nolte would want to find that out. So Ronnie Hickman, 11th. Good at football, Nathan.
1: No, and he has blitzed. I mean, Jim Knowles will blitz anybody, I think, Uh, any of those 11 guys. If there's a way, if he was coaching special teams, he might blitz the punter somehow. Like, he's, Mm -hmm. he's blitzing everybody. So he has on occasion. But he's a little bit of a victim of just so reliable without a lot of flash either in his personality or the way he plays football. He's not like commanding attention. He just goes out and does his job at a really high level, and that's not anything to be taken for granted because I can show you a lot of Ohio State defensive reps over the last couple seasons where that was not the case at multiple positions.
0: I think it's a very very good thing he's not 11th, just like it's a very good thing that he's not even close to leading this team in tackles because that means the guys in front of him are doing a better Mm. job. Like him, it yeah. was impressive that he had 100 tackles. But just as we said with Jordan Fuller when he was leading his team in tackles in 2018, that's not a good thing. Because that means that players are consistently getting past the first two levels. So it, I think your starting safety, especially the free safety, which is what the adjuster is, should be like 12th on a list like this. Because that means the front seven
2: are doing their job. No, I think that's right. Yeah, you, you don't want your free safety to be spectacular. So, Ronnie Hickman is 11th. JT tu- Tui Malowau is 12th. 13th is Trevion Henderson. And he was third in the preseason, Stephen. And so, he is one of two players to drop at least 10 spots in our rankings. Trivion is 13th. He is ahead of Mayan Williams, but he's way down from where he was. Does 13th feel right here, Stephen?
0: Yes, and I understand completely why. One, his value probably got, you know, driven way down because Mayan Williams had five touchdown uh, runs a couple of weeks ago, and it's clearly looked like it doesn't miss a beat if Travion Henderson comes off the field, which he has had to because of Nixon bruises. But also, just as we were talking with JT Tui Malowow and how we threw these expectations on, them, on him, granted, Travion deserved them because we actually saw him do this stuff last year. I think there are some people who have, kind of fallen back from that a little bit and so if you had him at like an 18 19 20 special in the preseason it's probably more like 15 16 17 and that might even be high
2: he's fast you're i'm not questioning it but he's got to see holes hit holes do those things right that it's it's um, it's not Ezekiel Elliott right now, and so I do mm-hmm. think that special grade comes back a little bit. His his texture grade came back a little bit, but I I think thirteenth is probably um about right for Trey. There actually is one other guy. There's actually three guys who fell at least um at least ten spots. Number fourteen on this list, Nathan, is Jack Sawyer, who was ninth in the preseason. He's fourteenth now. We all picked him to lead this team in sacks. It does feel like he is a very good fit for the Jack, but I don't know that we've seen the Jack be a game wrecker yet, which, and Jim Knowles keeps saying like, oh, we have much more installed than we've shown so far. We've shown 11% of our defense so far. What, I mean, that It feels like he hasn't said that number, but that's when he talks, that's what it feels like. It doesn't feel like he's saying, oh no, we have like two more plays. It's like, ugh, this is like the rudimentary basic intro to defense still. Wait until you we get to like the, the you know the middle school level of it. So fourteenth for Jack Sawyer. What do you think,
1: Nathan? Well, Larry Johnson reinforced that earlier this week too, because I asked him about Jack Sawyer's development at that position, and what he brought up was they couldn't just turn the fire hose on and have him just learn Jack stuff because he's still training to be a defensive end. He's still a second year guy, learning some of the nuances of that position too. Just a proper like regular on-the-corner defensive end. So I still had him pretty high, and part of it was because he is the jack. He's the, the main jack, and I think that that look, regardless of whether he's in there piling up a bunch of sacks with it, I think just the fact that Jim Knowles is confident enough to play that look Against other first-string offenses at crucial times of games, gives changes the game and like gives opposing offensive of coordinators and quarterbacks things to worry about, things to think about, things that they have to practice in the week ahead coming into the game to account for that. It's a schematic advantage for Ohio State, and if he just keeps improving, it becomes even more so because it it's still something that I think can unleash him. He's he is right there also with J T. Tuimaloa. When you watch games, you see so many instances where those guys are right there maybe not getting the guy down but it's it's right it's happening right there with right there in front of him and is that a gap that can close and if it does how much does that even make this defense even better
0: he rose for me just because yeah he's still learning jack stuff but I, i think more important to the whole you know they're still installing stuff i mean yeah i don't know if you need to have almighty jack leo against michigan state so it, it it can be kind of basic. So it, it, for me, there's still, we always talk about the, the more you play, the more you see you, the less your, you know, the more your special goes down as you don't reach that special. We haven't seen full Jack go Leo yet. So I don't think anything can change from a special standpoint. While for me, his value raised because it's either he's the Jack or Javante Jean Baptiste is the Jack and Jack's more talented than Javante Jean Baptiste is.
2: Who did JJB did not make our top 25, by the way? Nope. We did vote on him and did not make the top 25. Uh 15th and 16th are two guys who each made double digit leaps. And it is Cade Stover at 15 and Mayan Williams at 16, Stephen. Were we were we wrong on these guys in the preseason that they weren't in our top 25? Or did we just have they improved so much that oh that was completely reasonable then and and now they absolutely deserve to be here now no I think
0: we were all high on value when it comes to Kate Stover because we just didn't know what the other tight ends are and I think we're still high on Kate Stover's value it wasn't about whether he was special or not it's just it, was he going to get a chance to show if he was special or not because this offense doesn't throw the ball to the tight ends all of a sudden they throw the ball to the tight end so you can start rating his special which I'm pretty sure is where everybody Rose a little bit on what Cade Stover is, is a special. While with Mayan Williams, he's been good with context of it's typically against higher first units or against second units. He's it's not like he was ever the first guy to take the field. Against Rutgers, he was the first guy to take the field and he was their, you know, workhorse because Travion Henderson didn't play and he showed nothing has to change. So it's not about being wrong, it's just those guys got more opportunity to show us how they've developed.
2: Nathan, Mayan sixteenth and Trey thirteenth. We good with that?
1: Yeah, it's I a small gap. It's have, a small gap. I mean, I think I gave them maybe the same value score right now mm-hmm. because they're both there. And when one, we've seen it already. Like when one is gone, the other one can sort of be the bell cow and run with it. And uh, no, no pun intended. And also. I think something that's been emphasized to me over the first six games of this year and the way teams are defending Ohio state, like opponents are terrified of CJ Stroud and this receiver core. And that's where they put their attention. And that's where they are willing. They're willing to give Ohio state and Trevion Henderson as good as he is and my Williams as good as he is. And this offensive line as good as they are, they're willing to give them the run lanes in exchange for choking off the killer passes that they feel like, are probably almost automatic if they don't make those corrections. And so I don't think you have to have, maybe I'll eat my words in January. Like, I don't think this team needs to have an elite running back to still win a national championship this year. They need kind of elite rushing performance, but they're getting that from that combination of the way teams are defending them and the way this offensive line is playing right now.
2: All right. So tied with Mayan at 16th is Zach Harrison, who's, like just being Zach Harrison again. And I don't mean just, he's being Zach Harrison again. He's a very good football player. He's not setting the world on fire, but he's helping this team win and doing his job. He was 13th in the preseason and he's tied for 16th now. Yep. So I think we've probably had enough Zach Harrison conversations that this, <laughs> we know what he is by now.
1: I feel like there's going to be going forward in Buckeye Talk after he's gone to the NFL, there's going to be some shorthand that is just Zach Harrison. Like when we talk about certain players and be like, yeah, I mean, that he's like a, he's like a Zach Harrison receiver. He's like a Zach Harrison safety, which yeah. is like really high, but like nobody's it, putting him on, on a mall like American a team. Yeah, yes,
2: yeah, yeah, good player. Uh, so he's tied for sixteenth, eighteenth. Stephen is Lathan Ransom, and that's he was not in the top twenty-five in the preseason. He is the last guy on the list. So again, we had twenty-one of the twenty-five stayed the same mm. from. The preseason list to this list. The four guys who joined it are Tommy Eichenberg, Cade Stover, Mayan Williams, and Lathan Ransom. We'll tease the four guys who fell off and save that for the end. What do we think of Lathan Ransom here? Does this feel right to you, Steven? And I guess it's he's the second safety on the list behind Ronnie Hickman.
0: Honestly, that's another one where I think some recency bias of him having a really good game against Michigan State comes into play, and the fact that every two weeks Jim Knowles gets asked a question about, hey, how good is Lathan Ransom, whether whether he would we've seen him play or not. I'm less concerned about what his ranking is and more concerned about where like his Q rating is in comparison to Josh Proctor, because the way that Knowles talked about them, those two, they bring different skill sets, but both are going to get used, and it just depends on the opponent who gets used more. So I I I, I, understand, I agree that he should be in the top 25, but I don't think it should be that he's in the
2: top 25 because Josh Proctor isn't. I'm trying to look here. I can find that Q score. His Q score is uh, 7.73, and Josh Proctor's Q score, I can't find it right now. I'll find it. Um, does this feel high low? What do you think of this, Nathan?
1: Well, I still have Procter and Ransom scored pretty close in my numbers. That but that's one that I'm thinking that if we do this again at the end of the year, we do this after the Big 10 championship game in the in the bowl void or whatever, it could be very different because I know what Jim Knowles is saying about, well, you guys don't see sometimes guys are banged up and miss a practice or or whatever. I think there's a reason why Lathan Ransom is starting this last game and it might become a reason why he starts a lot of games. And if that happens, then this is probably justified. But right now it's one that I sort of have a pen in it. I think this is it's maybe this is a score yeah, that might be a little bit out in front of where it actually does end up being though.
2: So, Q score 7.73 for Lathan Ransom, 6.13 for Josh Proctor. Just so, a point and a half. Yeah. The Texters liked him more. Um, our special rating Proctor was an 11.7 combined special. Lathan Ransom was a 13 combined special. Value, Lathan Ransom was a 14.3 and Josh Proctor was a 13. So, like Lathan Ransom in all three categories. Special value and the Q rating, Lathan Ransom is slightly ahead and then you add that up enough times and it kind of creates a somewhat significant gap on a list like this. So Lason Ransom, Lathan Ransom is 18th. 19th is Matthew Jones. He was 17th in the preseason, kind of doing his thing, the fifth offensive lineman, no surprise there. This one is a little odd Nathan. The first cornerback on the list is the guy who has not played at all, which tells you how the cornerbacks have played. Mm -hmm. So Jordan Hancock is 20th on this list. He was 16th in the preseason. He has not played a snap, and he's the highest-ranked corner. Are we nuts, Nathan?
1: I think Burke and Brown and Hancock should have relatively similar scores at this point, but I would not have him – first because we just haven't seen it we haven't seen even? it like at least with brown and burke well, i know they're struggling yeah. but we've seen them play better right well but the thing but, is but just because, because we the whole
2: point is we have seen it and you haven't liked it
1: yeah and well, i we've think liked it before
2: but i think that's the
0: thinking here we haven't seen him so we can't do anything to his special rating we just keep it for whatever it was before however you thought about him before hasn't changed because he have not seen him play but also that value starts creeping up because the other guys aren't doing the job well. So when Ryan Day and, and comes out and he says he would be competing for a job, to me that sounds like if he's back against Iowa, against Penn State, he might be starting quarterback. I don't know over who, but it's it's the combination of both. It's they've clearly missed him because the other guys aren't getting it done, but they're also dealing with injuries. Plus, you already thought he was going to be pretty
2: good to begin with. And, and I think Ryan Day's value rating on Jordan Hancock might be hundred, like the way he talks about yeah, it. Yeah. yeah,
1: yeah. Like we Man, I, it blew a hole in our plant. It, no, he got hurt. It, <laughs> it, like right now, the one thing that people are criticizing this team about is the cornerback play. And you know that those coaches are sitting in that room every week, being like, "Don't these people understand that the guy that's supposed to be fixing this problem can't play right now?" Uh, so yeah, I think that's, so I that's definitely happening. So I I mean, listen, I, I I'm only half like I ranked. I ranked Burke, then Hancock, then Brown, all within a point of each other with their total score. And I part of that is just thinking that Hancock has more upside than Brown in the long term. It's just so hard because we don't still know if he can actually like the day keeps moving the goalpost on this, frankly. Like he start he talks with optimism about it. And then it's like, no, it's probably gonna be a couple more weeks. And so we'll see what we'll see how he's talking about Jordan Hancock on Tuesday.
0: I might not fault him for that because it's a it's, no, it's a soft it's, tissue injury. Certainly, genuinely, no. he might feel away on Tuesday, and then like Wednesday happens, it's like oh. So I, I, I'll All give I'm him. Say- a, I, I I agree with you, but I'll give him a little bit of a pass with that one.
1: All I'm saying is that Ohio State. All right, twenty-one. 21- Ohio State needs to be using this week. I guess we're not. This, right. is, this isn't. This isn't coming out till Saturday. But hopefully, Ohio State this used, going up
2: Saturday morning. Yeah.
1: This Ohio State used this past week to find a solution. And make their cornerback situation better. I agree. Regardless of whether Jordan Hancock ever takes the field. I, I agree with
2: that. Jordan Hancock hasn't made a single mistake yet this year. Hasn't Is gotten you? beaten on a single throw. No, neither of us. Hasn't misjudged a single ball in the air, right? So, What's I mean, it's nice. like he batted, sometimes he hasn't,
0: he hasn't batted one down
2: either. <laughs> but it's one of those things that, that it tells you the, st- the state of the position. Yes. That the unknown. Yeah is better than the known. Guess what? Jackson Smith and Jigba hasn't played that much either. He wasn't the highest-ranked receiver because the known, pretty good, right? So they're not exactly putting Marvin Harrison Jr. and Emeka Buka out there at corner right now. Um, 21st is Tanner McAllister. He was 24th in the preseason. He's 21st here. Another do-your-job guy. I think that makes sense. 22nd, Steel Chambers. 25th in the preseason. 22nd now. Another guy doing his job. Steven, I... Would there maybe be room, like when Steel Chambers is good, right? Like the one or two times a game when Steel Chambers is chasing down a running back in the backfield, like a cheetah chased down a gazelle. And he did it at times last year too, but when he's doing that, it's like, that's as good as it gets. Seriously, like that's linebacker play at its best. And he does do that a couple times a game, but then I don't know that it's as, you know, it's not as consistent as what Tommy Eichenberg does, but it's also what he's asked to do. I don't know. I don't know that I had steel chambers much higher than this, but I, there's a part of me that feels like maybe 22 is a little low for him here. Nah, maybe he I should don't... be ahead of the cornerback who hasn't played at all.
0: <laughs> right? No,
2: maybe. Well, probably. But also,
0: I mean, he really just locked down that job ten days ago. He was splitting it with Cody Simon for a little bit, so I factored for... that into play a little bit of like, I mean, your value can't be that high if they're taking you off the field. It's not because they're. They, they clearly weren't rotating from strength there, I don't think. I think they were rotating because neither one of them claimed the job.
1: Well, I also think, though, I, I, it factored in a way I scored it a little bit, too, but I almost went the other way. I was like, oh, well, he has, he has locked down this job. He is mm. the Will linebacker now. So that raised my opinion of him a little bit. I think he should be scored pretty close to someone like Jack Sawyer. And I know that Jack Sorry was the much higher rated recruit and probably still has the higher upside in terms of his impact. But who, like, at the end of the day, as far as what they contribute to the average Ohio State win, aren't they neck and neck right now?
2: Yeah, I think, you know, Zach Harrison, Lathan Ransom, Matthew Jones, Jordan Hancock, Tanner McAllister, like, are the five guys ahead of Steel Chambers? Could you make a case to, for Steel Chambers to be ahead of all of them? Steel Chambers at his best? Right at his most useful on the field all the time, what he does, I, th- I think maybe you could make a case. I think this is this is the bottom of his range. I think, and mm-hmm. I think you know, if we redid it again, and if he has a good game against Iowa, maybe he could get up as high as sixteenth or seventeenth. But I don't think it's outrageous. I just you know, he's playing pretty well when he's good. Twenty third is Denzel Burke, and he is one of the three guys who had a big fall. Denzel Burke was seventh in the preseason and he is 23rd now. That Stephen it's, it's 16 spots. We know the deal. We've covered this a million times. It comes up on practically every every rapid fire, every rant podcast, post game whatever. I don't want to pile on Denzel Burke, but it's a reminder of where we were with him in the preseason Stephen. We thought this was guy this was a guy who was one of the seven we thought it was the seventh best, seventh most influential, important, valuable, skilled player on the team and it just hasn't happened.
0: Yeah, I think at this point we've given enough analysis that let's just let's get him healthy. Let's and just then see. we can have a yeah. better evaluation on what year 2 is for him. Because like I said on the uh, Thursday pod, it feels like he's not healthy and it's in his head and it's keeping him from being as physical as I think he was the first 8 weeks of the year last year. So Regardless of how he's played, let's get him healthy this week. Let him have a week of just like working his technique. And then against Iowa, let's see where he's at. And then we can start getting a better evaluation.
1: I think there's nothing in the second half of the season I'm looking forward to more than the first Denzel Burke interview opportunity. Because they have kept him behind closed doors Mm. away from us since that. And this guy has a lot of pride and has been pretty outspoken about Because that's kind of how he has to play on the field. And Mm -hmm. it's been part of his success. And I'm curious how he is going to – because what, what's going to happen is he's going to have a moment. He's going to, like, pick Spencer Petters off twice next Saturday. And then, then he's going to be out in front of us. And it, it, how is he going to – how candid will he be about how those first six games went and about how he got through that? And I, it, I think it could be a really interesting conversation.
2: And, again, it's a, it's a reminder of the credit he earned last year – by saving him at corner as a mm-hmm. true freshman and starting week one as a true freshman that he was number seventh on this number seven on this list coming into the season. And that's not easy to do. And it's, a, and then it's also a reminder of why it might feel like we fans, listeners, texters right. are freaking out about the corner play. Cause you thought one of the 10 best players on the team was the number one starting corner. And instead it's gone this way.
1: And I was one of the people who was quick to push back and say, Hey, maybe let's pump the brakes. Let's, let's put him in context but this is not what i was expecting this is below what he is i think and there's there's a better player in him than this and i think they can probably find it
2: 24th julian fleming he was 18th in the preseason and in the preseason we didn't know well is it going to be fleming is it going to be abuka you know in the preseason abuka's 14 fleming's 18 they're very close now abuka's 4 fleming's 24 so you could see, we saw how that developed, and again, Julian missing some time but with injury early didn't help him there. He certainly has been productive at times when he's gotten the ball. Twenty-fifth, J.K. Johnson, which he was twentieth in the preseason. Again, as like there were some expectations around these young corners, and he's played and played pretty well. He's played because he's like fifth on the defense in snaps, and he's five spots behind Jordan Hancock, his classmate who hasn't played at all. So again, J.K. Johnson, if you're listening, sorry, get a little goofy. People are, you know, the expectations, the unknown is a wonderful thing sometimes. So that's our top 25. When we come back, we'll cover the four guys who fell out from the preseason list. Next on Buckeye Talk. So, Stephen, the guy who fell the farthest, Josh Proctor, was 11th in the preseason and is not in our top 25. In a world where Lathan Ransom, I'm having trouble with that one today.
1: How often do you think Marvis and Lays-ton. Harrison Juniorson I know. goes up against Lathan Rantham in practice?
0: I'm just they, mad they know we missed people... out on the Marvis and Harrison,
2: Jameson, Williamson
1: <laughs> pairing.
2: Uh, I'm just going to call everybody Joe. Josh Proctor, <laughs> 11th to off the list, Steven. Again, they've kind of played the hot hand there so like ransom's on it proctor's not at there's gonna be another moment again when proctor's gonna play this year when instead of ransom but i do think some of the lingering thing in it i mean it's mostly our vote proctor got pulled out of a game because he missed a tackle right and that even though that was weak it was like practically play one was that the first play it was the first play of the, the defense played the whole year yes right and so yes. that's a tough thing to have hanging around your neck it's like oh well he missed a tackle Three hundred plays ago, Played five guys, snaps. the tackles as part oh, of the yeah. deal. Is it an overreaction to not have Josh Proctor in this top twenty-five?
0: No, it's because he got benched. He's the only one in this dynamic who's like actually been benched for a game. Whether it's because he got pulled out when he was starting, or just like the Michigan State game where he's just like not playing at all. Lathan Ransom didn't play against Rutgers that much because like he was dealing with something and like coming back from it because he wouldn't miss the week before at least I saw they was talking about it he was dealing with something other than that even if lathan hasn't started his snap counts are 46 against notre dame 39 against arkansas state 45 against toledo records when he's still coming back a little bit 18 and then 36 against michigan state while all like josh proctor five against notre dame 38 against Arkansas state 53 against Wisconsin. Cause he missed the week before uh, he was dealing with something and then 40 against Rutgers. And then like all 18 of his snaps against Michigan state came in garbage time. So it, it feels like even if Lathan doesn't start, he has a role while Josh Proctor either starts and is out there or he's just not out there at all. Plus I think our Texas are tired of us hyping up Josh Proctor. So they have just gone on the anti Josh Proctor is the next Willie cooker campaign. And as a result, he's not in our top twenty-five.
1: All right, well, that that's a little. Uh, oh, I'm I'm sorry. I'm thinking of Marcus Hooker.
2: <laughs> yeah. No, we did well. Uh, oh, right. Um, <laughs> Josh, Josh Proctor in the preseason was one spot ahead of Ronnie Hickman. Josh Proctor was right. highest safety in the preseason.
1: Yeah, we probably had him again. It was there's a little bit of the Zach Harrison thing that happens with Josh Proctor too wasn't quite as ranked as high as a recruit, but it was a top 100 guy. And there was always that promise of what could be there if he could just get extended playing time. And that that hasn't really worked out. And the way that Knowles talks about the two of them, um, it, it's interesting that he talks about Ransom being like the prototypical adjuster almost. Well, as long as you don't already have Ronnie Hickman on your roster. And that'll be his role next year. But that's also the reason why he wants him on the field more right now. He wants guys who can think on their feet fast mm-hmm. and be decisive about things. And he, he doesn't – it's not that he talks about Proctor in a disparaging way, but he does talk about him in a way that makes you think that he sees him as a more limited option. When you
0: say something like – He's good when he has a specific assignment or a
2: specific direction. That's backing up what Nathan just said. Okay. So Proctor is not in it. Um, Tyleek Williams was 19th and he is not in it. He was 19th in the preseason. I think feel like Nathan we saw this one coming a little bit like the PFF was all over him and we were sort of like small sample size I don't know and it's it feels like it's played out that Mike Hall has sort of blown past Tyler Williams in terms of contributions he's playing but it remains a small sample size while there's some more primary guys at defensive tackle
1: right I think Mike Hall has shown us what the hype should have been like for Tyleek Williams. It's the disparity. It's like Tyleek Williams did some of these things last year in very specific circumstances, and Mike Hall is doing them from the start of games against decent teams. Um, Or as good as Ohio State has played, I guess, so far. You can argue about how decent that has been. But no, I think you're right. I think we did see it coming a little bit, but PFF still likes Tyleek Williams a lot, I think. The last time I looked at the scores, he's been up there a lot this year. So he's still doing good things in those small sample sizes, but I think they they've never seen yet that he can do that as a first string guy. I think next year might be his chance to break through to something bigger.
0: I've, he was not happy. He got taken off the field against Michigan state. And then he went and tweeted out free 21, 391 after the game. I don't think he's very happy right now, but
1: mm.
0: I think it's the same thing as last year where he's getting a really good pass rush against third stringers, but You put him out there with the ones and he's getting blown off the line of scrimmage in the run game. I think Tyleek Williams is good at one thing right now. The same thing we're talking about with Josh Proctor. He's good at this specific thing, which is fine, but you're not an edge rusher in the rushman package. You're a nose or a three tech where you're taking double teams or you have to stop the run. And it doesn't feel like he can do a lot of those stuff, but also it's not that crazy that the top 50 recruit is playing really well in year two. And the guy who was like, 167 is still developing
2: a little bit. 93 snaps. That's tied for 19th on the defense. He's fourth in snaps among the defensive tackles for Tyreek Williams. So it is, it remains kind of a small sample size. Kyle McCord was 21st in the preseason. We've, we've really had a lot of conversation, Nathan, about Kyle McCord. And it's mostly been like, why don't they let him do a little bit more? And, I think we've talked about it so much, it has created, I think, perhaps an incorrect implication of like, I don't know about that. And it's like, they just, he doesn't get many opportunities. So, you know, we sort of had this debate in the preseason. Well, you know, in terms of value of a backup quarterback, well, he kind of has no value until he has the most value on the team. How do you grade that? But he just fell off of our top 25 because a bunch of guys moved past him. And it's not like Kyle McCord set the world on fire in the brief moments we've seen him, but mostly because they haven't let him do it.
1: I think by my score, he would still be in my top 25. I I still give him a high importance value simply because we've talked before about how what he is is sort of the perfect backup quarterback. And you can't judge everybody based on what if there's some injury ahead of them but I think you can at quarterback in a different way. I think the, the significance of it is much greater and Ohio state at almost every other position could go from being like great to adequate and maybe still figure it out at an individual position and, and have a good postseason run. I don't know if that's true at quarterback. So the, the the pressure is on him to be better than adequate. Uh,
0: we had this discussion in the preseason and I'm still where I was then. His value for me was a three and it actually went down from where it was in the preseason. Understanding that, yeah, if CJ gets hurt, of course it goes up to 18, 19 because now he's a starting quarterback, maybe even a 20. But he's not playing and it is he's just out of sight, out of mind. So it's, I, I was not shocked at all that he's not on the top 25.
2: All right, there's one stat I want to drop on you guys. Um, maybe this would surprise you. There is a... A stat, I guess it's offense-related, where Ohio State is tied for 121st in the nation. Do you guys want to guess what that kind of offensive stat is, where they are tied for 121st in the nation? Punts. Total punts. Close. Maybe that's true. It's not what I'm looking at right now. Nathan, you want to guess? Is it
1: field goal attempts?
2: It's made field goals. Okay. Do you know how many field goals they've made this year? Like two? Three? Two. <laughs> they are two for three. Um, Nebraska, Michigan State, Temple, Louisiana, Monroe, and Charlotte have each made one. New Mexico State, James Madison, Colorado State, Army, Baylor, and Ohio State have each made two. And that is why Noah Ruggles is the fourth guy who fell off our list. There was some lot of lot of love for Noah Ruggles last offseason. He was 22nd on the list coming in. Talk about out of sight, out of mind. He doesn't kick off. Yep. Like kickoff, kind of is still like an issue. And the guy who's like their number one kicker is not part of the solution to that. He missed his first field goal of the year, right? Wasn't it against in the Notre Dame game? Mm-hmm. He missed the first one. Mm-hmm. He did, and that wasn't great. And like there remains the thing. It's like, hey, he wasn't here for spring football, or whatever. And it's like I feel like he like lost. Maybe not he didn't lose it, but I feel like maybe we, the world lost the juice for him. It was like, ah, oh, yeah, well, he's fine. He's winning. And it's like, okay. It, it feels like they don't really need a kicker, Nathan. And it's just funny because, like, last year it was like, oh, Noah Ruggles came from Duke or wherever he came. North Carolina, wherever he came from. And saved the program. And now it's like, ah, oh, they got five guys. Whatever. If they really need a 28-yard field goal some game, they can throw somebody out there. But they probably won't even try.
1: Yeah, I mean, they definitely don't need a kicker who can just make – 50-some yard field goals during regular season, it sure seems like. Uh, I, now, does it come down to something where the the season is on the line? But I, this is not abnormal in college football history, really. Like really high-scoring teams get, sometimes get to the end of a season and their guy is like five of seven on field goals because why does that team need to go kick field goals?
0: They literally don't you need guys- to kick field goals because they're scoring touchdowns. It's the difference between having a first-year starting quarterback and a second-year starting quarterback. First-year starting quarterback, you probably need a good kicker because he's going to mess up in the red zone at times. Second-year starting quarterback, who has also been in the system for three years, this team is not – they've kicked two
2: field goals in the red zone. And there are other times there's two more in touchdowns. Do you want to guess where Ohio State is in extra points, the number of extra points they made where that ranks in the country? First, First. probably. It is first. They are no ruggles. It's 41 of 41 on extra points. And it's kind of a gap. Alabama is second. They've made 35, 35 of 35. Michigan's 33 of 33, their third. So that part of it, you know, if he was 32 of 41 on extra points, it'd be a big problem. So he's made every extra point and he's two of three on field goals. And it kind of doesn't matter that much. And a bunch of good players moved past him. So those are the four guys who dropped out. Josh Proctor, Kyle McCord, Tyreek Williams and Noah Ruggles. That's our top 25 influential Ohio State players from the preseason. Um, I might have missed it. Where was Matthew Jones? He was – we just talked about him he was like because he was the fifth offensive lineman. He was 19th. Okay, cool. To, I just, I just missed quick. it then. Ransom okay. 18, Matthew Jones 19, okay. right ahead of the the cornerback who hasn't played a single snap. Okay. Congratulations, Matthew Jones, on sliding barely in ahead of the cornerback. Well, no, I, I think some of that is
0: – it's why when I sent my email, I had Enoch Bamahi on here, is because, like, Matthew Jones has had to come out the game the last couple of weeks for
2: a couple of snaps because he's been dealing with something. So, I – it's not significant though, when you look at um like Donovan Jackson, Luke Whippler, Paris Johnson Jr. and Dewan Jones have all played the exact same number of snaps because they right. are a unit and they lead the offense with three hundred and fifty four snaps. Matthew Jones has played three hundred and forty. Mm-hmm. so he's missed fourteen snaps compared to everybody else on the one. So it's been like this my a couple times they were talk about it, it was a shoe shoe came off. It yeah. wasn't even yeah. like his, like his foot it was just like a shoe came off. so um so t- yeah, he's been out there. Most of the time,
1: Teron Vincent and Cam Brown are the two starters who didn't make the list. Is that right?
2: Um, yes, I guess that would be correct. And I guess if Jeron Cage sometimes starts or not, he didn't make it either. So I guess he's not starting as much as he's starting against Notre Dame, right? He's not starting as much as he used to. Yeah, Mike Hall has perhaps has had some say in that. So that's our group. Any? Uh, we got it pretty right, Stephen. What'd you think? Any? Any? Big gigantic disagreements, or this pretty close? No, I get it. Even the ones where I'm like, eh, "I might be a little high, I'll be a little low," I kind of
0: get it because of where we're at in the season and how guys are performed. I think this is a pretty solid list.
2: What do you think, Nathan?
1: Yeah, I think it's it's more or less correct. I'm I'm curious when we do this again, and I think we probably will. Right? I think this would be a good like pre playoff, pre bowl exercise. Yeah,
2: I think bowl mm-hmm. season. Yep.
1: Um, I think JSN. Probably is either either he's higher, or I mean it's it's on the table that he has kind of a Jalen model effect on this team. We don't so he know. Shows
0: up in the national championship game where he's still hurt but still finds a way to get in the end zone. And we it's don't like very yeah. clear that he shouldn't be on the field.
1: And be, I'm going to be clear, like I know that there have been those rumors out there, like oh maybe he's just not going to play, and I we don't have he's any not. indication that that would be true. But if the no. injury doesn't allow him to come back, if he tries to come back and has another setback, I'm just saying. Like maybe he just has a completely – he just kind of gets removed from this altogether and it gives us a completely new perspective on this.
2: All right. That's our influence rankings for Ohio State. I I do think this is probably like a a four-time-a-year kind of thing, right? That We do it in the preseason. We do it on the bye week. We do it in bowl season. Maybe it's five times a year. Maybe we come back and do it going into spring practice, and then maybe we do it after the spring game. Um, So maybe it's five times a year now that we've kind of figured out what it means to us, the value, the special, the Q rating, all that kind of stuff. We hope you guys enjoyed it. This is to get you through the weekend in lieu of a post-game podcast, because there's no game. So Tyler Shoemaker and I on the Friday pod, we broke down the weekend from a gambling perspective, talk a little bit about Ohio State. You can listen to that. This will get you through until the Monday pod when Nathan and I will wrap up sort of the week that was in college football, look at the national context, talk more about Ohio State. Then of course, Ohio State and Iowa Next weekend, we'll have a bunch of coverage, a bunch of podcasts leading into that game with the Hawkeyes. For now, for Stephen Means and Nathan Baird, I'm Doug LaMaurice, and that was Buckeye Talk.